Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, fellas, lady, fellas, everybody, welcome back to the channel. I hope your day is going great. Today, we were looking at the zero running back strategy. Yesterday, we looked at the zero wide receiver strategy, and I actually liked it. So it's going to be interesting to break down this strategy today and see exactly how the draft that I did over on Fantasy Pros, their draft simulator, how it actually ended up going with their expert rankings, consensus rankings. So you're not picking against just a bunch of computers that are dumb. You're picking against a bunch of smart computers. But I'll compare this draft to the one yesterday and really just talk you through this draft, my picks, the exact analysis where I'll other players were going in the draft and where some of these softer rounds are because of the fact that you're doing zero running back strategy, you're going to have soft spots in there. You're doing a very contrarian strategy, which we talked about yesterday, just means that you're setting yourself up to take advantage of things when things go wrong, when things that others aren't expecting happen, you are there to take advantage of that. So when you do a zero running back strategy, you're taking advantage of getting a ton of pun of popular receivers up front. And then you're trying to take advantage of the fact that there's going to be some late round values in there that you're going to be able to load up on. And hopefully at some point in the season, those handcuffs get to take over, whether it's from injury or just outperforming the person in front of them. And now you're set up because you have some top wide receivers and or a tight end at the front. And now you have some really stud and and up and coming and breakout players at the running back department at that point. So you're able to load up on the best of both worlds when it comes to zero wide receiver or zero running back, whatever it might be. Now for clarification, zero running back strategy does not literally mean zero running back strategy. The definition of a zero running back strategy, as I understand it for years now playing this, is that you don't draft a running back with your first four picks. You do not start drafting and running back until the mid rounds, which is officially round five. It, it could be round six for you, whatever it might be, but your first four picks very generally means that zero running backs means no running backs in your first four picks, which usually means you could draft anything else there, which if you're somewhat, I would say savvy with this, and it's not a two quarterback league or super flex, you're probably not drafting a quarterback there. And there's a really good chance you're not drafting a tight end unless you really feel strongly about Travis Kelsey or George Kittle. So it's very likely that your first four picks are going to be wide receivers. And that is what I did in the draft behind me. But welcome, like I said, and please take a second to hit the big old subscribe button. Whether you've seen my content before, or maybe this is the first time you're finding me, I really do appreciate it if you hit that button. If you want to watch some of the video and see if you get any value first, that's fine with me. But check out some of my other videos over on YouTube and on this YouTube channel. I have a 2020 fantasy football playlist you can check out for a bunch of deep dive analysis. Most of my videos, if they're deep dive analysis, take me six or seven hours just to research alone. So I can assure you that it's some of the best and maybe the best information that you're going to find for free on YouTube when it comes to fantasy football 2020. So hit the subscribe button, join the Discord. It's totally free. It's just a group messaging app. I post some free sheets in there. I post the content drops, but it's also just a bunch of people talking that are similar and like-minded that have shared interests and hobbies in fantasy sports, NFL, whatever it might be. And today's question of the day is going to be, would you rather have Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson? Now, many of you might say, I'm not going to get to either of them because I'm going to just wait for a quarterback. But if you had to pick one of them for your, your fantasy football team, Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson, get into the comments. Let's get a little bit active on that front. So getting into the draft, I, I, I was the sixth pick in this when I did a randomly generated, it's a 12 team PPR format. It's redraft and it's going to be a snake draft format. So with the sixth pick, Michael Thomas goes off the board at number three overall, which I think is uh, oh Saquon you see. I honestly think it's somewhat of a donkey move because you had Zeke, you had Dalvin Cook, even have Kamara on the board. I would just not be going wide receiver there. But maybe this person's testing out the strategy that I'm doing with zero running back. And it seems like that because they draft four wide receivers in a row. So maybe I'm just, uh, maybe I'm the donkey as well here. I like Devontae a little bit more than Michael Thomas this year. Oh, Sal, you're crazy. They're, they're literally 1A, 1B. Let's not have an argument over the two guys who are pretty clearly uh, top two or at least top three if you want to throw Julio into that conversation. I like him slightly more. I, I like the target share upside. I've been seeing so many tweets with this recent stuff that's going on in Michael Thomas and just Devontae Parker beefs and so many tweets of if you take out all the bubble screens in 
and slants for Michael Thomas, which is clearly the game plan that they're in. So you can't take those out, but he would end up with like 200 yards last year, which is crazy. I don't know if that's exaggerated, but I saw some of the stuff on that and he's still a talented receiver. It's just the offense that you play in. I'm sure Devontae Adams has plenty of his yards from slants because I think he's the best slant and route runner in the entire league. A lot of people will say Devontae Adams, he's only going for a thousand yards once. He finished with 997 yards twice in his career due to injury riddled seasons. And he was still able to get right back up to that. I believe one of those was actually last year as well. He saw a 30.3% target share in the season and he led all wide receivers with 39% red zone target share, 17.6 fantasy points per game with sixth in the league. He was fifth in routes run. He was top 10 in separation as well. Uh, He ended up being top three in overall red zone targets with missing two games. So yeah, Devontae Adams is somebody that I like a lot. So I take Devontae Adams right here and then it's just running backs. It's literally all the running backs in the world. Le'Veon Bell goes in the first round. I mean, that's how many running backs are being taken. There was 10 running backs taken in the first round. And then if you even go down to the next round, 11 running backs in the first 13 picks, you get a couple of receivers to go off the board, three more running backs. So it's pretty crazy that you had 14 running backs going off the board in the first, I don't know, 17 picks of this draft. So it's nutty. It gets back to me though. And it allows me to get to either Tyree Kill or Chris Godwin. We're going zero running back. These guys drop because this draft is probably a lot of experts. It's the expert consensus rankings and they just like running backs more. And it makes sense to me that some of these guys are dropping. In my current rankings, I have Tyree Kill number five and I have Chris Godwin number seven in wide receivers. So it was a somewhat easy decision for me to go to Tyree Kill here in that Kansas City offense, Kansas City Chiefs offense. It's hard not to like Tyree Kill just in general. He's sort of a guy who you know you're, what you're going to get boom and bust weeks. And when he's healthy, there's going to be a lot more probably boom weeks and medium weeks than just those single digit eight, seven, seven point performances. He only played in 12 games last year. He had 58 receptions, 860 yards and seven touchdowns. He saw a 21.9% target share. He was seventh in the NFL in yards per route run, a very nice efficiency metric at 2.7. He was sixth in separations and fifth in fantasy points per route run. So fantasy points per route run, obviously him being injured for four of those games and being unlimited snaps in some of them really limited his overall fantasy point upside. But on an efficiency metric per route run that he was out there, he was absolutely piling on points. Kansas City threw 37.6 times per game. So that's very good. You ended up seeing him last year miss with that dislocated clavicle. The target competition is obviously the same as last year. They brought everybody back. Sammy Watkins restructured his contract. They get McCole Hardman on his second year as a rookie. They get another Travis Kelsey year. And then they obviously get one year back with Demarcus Robinson, who re-signed with them in free agency. So probably the second option on this team, Travis Kelsey is literally like top six in receiving yards over the last three years in the NFL, factoring in all positions, which is just wild. But Tyreek Hill in this offense, lots to go around and you like the big play upside. As my second wide receiver and zero running back strategy, I like it a lot. So you can see the board starts to go around and now it's 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 Leonard Fournette goes off the board. So now you're at the point where there's like 15 running backs off the board after two rounds. And this is not looking good for a zero running back strategy, but it's to be expected. Both the tight ends go back to back and the second round gets capped off with Kelsey. Kittle is the first tight end taken to start this round. And then you see the quarterbacks start to go. Third round is where these quarterbacks are starting to go. Sometimes people will reach for them in the second round. I'm sure by the time the redraft season comes back and ADPs in general, a lot of times you'll see Lamar going in the first round just because people are donkeys and they like doing that, especially in six point touchdown leagues. You'll see quarterbacks go a little bit earlier as well. And then there starts to be a string. So my, my high at this point where Lamar's off the board, Allen Robinson is my highest rated wide receiver. I'm obviously going wide receiver again. I have Allen Robinson as my wide receiver eight right now. He goes ahead of me. So maybe not sniped, right? I mean, he's fine if I get him, but it's not like I needed him. My next highest ranked receiver is Odell. And I am extremely high on Odell this year. Uh, I have him as my ninth overall receiver. I know some people are down on him after he finished outside the top 30 last year. I cannot be more excited for Odell this year. Oh, Sal, it's the Kevin Stefanski offense. Oh, it's going to be so terrible. You know how many offenses 
offenses that are supposed to be run first and who knows if it's even going to be run first still are able to generate a top wide receiver I mean look at Devontae Adams last year look at Devontae Adams likely going to be this year there's so many opportunities for guys in these offenses it's not like they're just going to throw the ball 15 times per game these offenses that run first still throw the ball 30 times a game they just don't throw it 35 or 40 times a game as often as the teams like Atlanta as Tampa Bay as as Kansas City right so Odell's still going to be in a fine situation he ends up having surgery in January so that was good to see a little bit of a sports hernia injury that he played with all of last year so everything went wrong for Odell last year he still goes over a thousand yards he sees a 25.6 percent target share as the likely second receiver on his team at least in production behind Jarvis Landry Landry went for over 1100 yards on 138 yards so a 26.6 percent target share but there's so many things to like about Odell I mean I'll post up this tweet that I had right here he was 69th in catchable targets last year so Baker just running for his life not throwing accurate that should get a little bit better he was number one in drops in the league tied with Randall Cobb I don't expect Odell to lead the league in drops in back-to-back seasons very abnormal for him Baker only had the 30th ranked protection unit so I expect that to change in a major way and then this is the big one that stands out to me he saw 13 end zone targets not red zone he was literally standing in the end zone which was fourth in the entire league just three touchdowns anybody else with more than 10 end zone targets ended up scoring more touchdowns than Odell last year. He's due for major regression in that department. I mean, just in general, if you have 133 targets and you're only scoring four touchdowns, you're due for regression. He's due for positive regression in terms of lowering his drops just in general. He's likely going to have now that they got Jedrick Willis in the draft and they ended up getting Jack Conklin from Tennessee, two offensive linemen, two talented offensive linemen to help their offensive line that was terrible last year. He's likely going to have Baker throwing more accurate passes and just the offense in general moving more efficiently with a new offense in place with Kevin Stefanski. So I've seen some people rank Odell outside their top 20. Y'all are ridiculous. I've seen some people rank him outside your top 15 and I'm borderline saying you're ridiculous, but I've met right now wide receiver nine. I think that this is a year where Odell is really a, a bounce back. A lot of people had Odell as like a top five receiver last year. And I really can't complain with you. Some people have him as a top three receiver. And honestly, it's a little bit extreme, but I can't really disagree with you too much there for the upside that he had. I think this is flop lag. I think this entire team is going to get flop lag, which pretty much means everybody was hyped on them last year and they didn't really produce. And now they're going to produce this year when a little, people are a little bit lower on them. And I think that's what you're getting out of the ADPs right now of Odell, of Landry, really of everybody on this entire team you can see it starts to move more wide receivers come off the board and a huge stretch of wide receivers go off the board so i'm happy i took odell here because there's no way he was coming back around you can see four wide receivers go in a row and seven wide receivers go in eight picks to close out the third round now that's nuts and that's usually what you're going to see in most drafts ppr format redraft you're going to see a ton of running backs go off the board in the first two to two and a half rounds and then the next two to three rounds are just loads of wide receivers some running backs some tight ends sprinkled in and that's exactly what you get right here as i zoom out you can see the orange is all the wide receivers and they're just going off the board like crazy right in this section right here so the fourth round starts with a run on running backs and obviously i'm I'm not drafting a running back till round five that's the point of this video that's the point of the strategy to see what you end up having even as hard as it feels not to want to pull the trigger on one of these running backs that look decent still on the board i'm just not doing it for the point of this strategy real quick get into the discord my free rookie rankings you can sign up for the email list down below for those or if you want it's easier for you you can just get into the discord so find that out and hit the big old subscribe button that's about to pop up let's get back into this uh beautiful video if i do say so myself when you go down a little bit more wide receivers start to come off the board so i get a little bit nervous here but i'm very excited to see robert woods is still on the board here when i get up so i'm very high on robert woods like i have him over keenan Allen, i have him over Diggs, i have him over mclaurin for sure over Thielen, over juju i have dj Moore one spot ahead of him so most of these guys that go between my odell pick and robert woods i would have taken robert woods over so i feel good about that now obviously with this wide receiver strategy that we're doing todd Gurley goes off the board after me jonathan taylor goes off the board like i would have taken either Gurley, taylor somebody here to get a running back and if this was not going to be a zero running back video and zero running back strategy which might actually end up being a better 
better lineup and it probably does become a better lineup at that point. Chris Carson was still on the board, but we take Robert Woods here. I mean, I like a lot what Robert Woods has to offer. He didn't see his snaps limited last year. They were still 90, 95%, closer to 100% when they went 12 personnel, which meant that they had one running back and two tight ends on the field, which meant that Cooper Cup was getting pulled off the field a lot. There were some weeks where Cooper Cup was only playing 60% of the snaps down the stretch. It was Gerald Everett. It was Tyler Higby on the field. They'd put Brandon Cooks or Josh Reynolds on the outside, and then they put Robert Woods on the outside as well. And the slot man, Cooper Cup, was getting uh, the odd man out treatment there. So there's upside in terms of his role not being impacted. And then you just also saw an insane year, 140 targets. He was sixth in the NFL in route run, eighth in targets, eighth in receptions. He was second in yards after the catch with 560 total, 15.5 fantasy points per game. And even though that they were using a lot of 12 personnel to end the year, he still saw 35% of his snaps out of the slot when they went into the slot last season, which is huge. It's a good efficiency spot for players. In the offseason, the Rams end up getting rid of Todd Gurley. The big one was Brandon Cooks. They bring in Van Jefferson in the draft. So yeah, Van Jefferson and right now Josh Reynolds, who's been with the team for a while, are going to be the only immediate threats in the passing game to Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. And it's really not going to impact either of them, if anything, in my opinion. And if Robert Woods is just going to stay on the field the most out of all these 12 personnel sets, like we saw last year, I like Robert Woods a good amount. I mean, you saw him being a top 15, top 10 wide receiver last year. And I think that that offense has the tools and abilities in him as the number one receiver in that offense. And I'm very concerned for Cooper Cup, like seeing him go in the third round, there's no way like I, I still have him as a top 20 wide receiver, borderline top 20 wide receiver, but there's concerns like he's only ever played out of the slot, which is not a lot of man coverage, not a lot of press coverage, I should say. Now he's going to go to the outside where he's going to face a ton of press coverage, which he struggled with in college and has no real experience within the NFL. Yes, he's been in the NFL for a few seasons, but he's been playing primarily out of the slot. He has no experience on the outside with press coverage for the most part. So we get Robert Woods and we officially finished the run of wide receivers in this fourth round. So we have a really good start, honestly. Devontae, Tyreek Hill, Odell, and Robert Woods. Like that is clean. That is a clean three wide receivers. And we also get to start a flex. So these are four guys that are going to start for me. It's not like I have to bench any of them as if we were using running backs because you can only start two with a flex. We get to start three wide receivers with a flex in this league. So it goes back around. Some players go off the board and I was heartbroken here. So it's two picks, three picks for my turn. And Chris Carson goes off the board. He's my running back 17. So I was like, oh my God, there's still a top 20 running back on the board. Nope. He goes off the board. Then the next best running back I have ranked on my board is Devin Singletary. He is currently my running back 22. So I'm like, yikes. Okay. We'll go with Devin Singletary there. And then you can see the wide receivers just going off the board. The fifth round ends with six overall wide receivers going off the board, seven straight wide receivers going off the board and 11 out of 12 picks being wide receivers. So I talked at the beginning of the show. This is the soft spot. The soft spot is right here. Once you start getting to the fifth and sixth round, people start to load up on wide receivers because they probably got two running backs, maybe three running backs and just one wide receiver. Now it's the time. Maybe they get a tight end or a quarterback. Now is the time to load up on wide receiver. I don't have to do that. So I can feel really confident about the fact that the running backs that I'm looking at and targeting probably don't go off the board in the fifth, sixth, and maybe even seventh round. So it gets back around to my turn here. And David Montgomery is still on the board. And I feel great about this. David Montgomery is somebody that somebody asked me in the comment section why I'm so low on him. I've been continuously rising him. He started at like running back 30, 32 for me at like a month or two ago. Now he's up to running back 23 for me in my PPR rankings and formats. So I had Devin Singletary at RB22. I have Montgomery as RB23 and I get them in back-to-back picks, right? 10 picks, 12 picks go back and I still may be able to get to uh, David Montgomery, which is really, really big for me. I was really excited for that. So just quickly about these two running backs, they're my starting running backs now. So I'll talk briefly on them. I mean, you saw Singletary average 20 touches per game over the last five games last year when Frank Gore was not on the field. He had 151 carries last year and he was the number one efficiency back on those carries for any running back with more than 150 yards last year. Now it's great that Frank Gore is not out there. Somebody who steals red zone work, somebody who just steals snaps in general, but they ended up drafting Zach Moss and Zach Moss is somebody who they've already come out and said that they want to put into the Frank Gore role, which is not great overall because Frank Gore was seeing close to 40% of the red zone work last year. He was catching a couple of passes and obviously Zach Moss is like 20 years younger, not fully exaggerating, but like 17, I'm sure somewhere around there years younger than Frank Gore. So it's an upgrade from Frank Gore without a doubt. So anything that Frank Gore did 
did last year as an old aging body in Buffalo is now going to be upgraded to a, a rookie coming out of college right now in Zach Moss that they want to use in a similar role. You have Josh Allen taking away 30% of the red zone work last year. Josh Allen went five for five on carries inside the five yard line for touchdowns. Like that's due to regress. So maybe that helps Singletary a little bit, but Josh Allen's still going to get design runs in the red zone. He's still going to scramble a ton. So it does hurt Singletary. That's why he's not a top 20 back for me. That's why he's borderline a top 25 back for me because there is still a threat in his backfield. I do think he's going to be the main guy back there, but who knows for how long. And yes, he was fantastic last year, but he was fantastic to a fault when it comes to this year. Like you're going to regress. All the stuff on him is just going to make him get drafted a little bit too high. But the fact that I got him in the fifth round, I'm fine with that. Like I don't want to be reaching for Devin Singletary as my first running back in the fourth round. But we get him in the fifth round and we just need a running back at this point. So we get Singletary, we get David Montgomery, somebody who I've had concerns about. And really at the beginning of the year was somebody I really didn't want to look at at all. But going through every single team's backfield after the draft now, the Bears bring in nobody. We know what Tariq Cohen's role is. It's to catch passes. It's not to really take away red zone carries. It's not to take away much production at all. And although David Montgomery was good at breaking tackles in college and even last year, he did nothing after breaking tackles. No yards after contact last year, just 2.33 ended up breaking 89th among all running backs. But that's not great. He was a 10th grade rookie running back last year, but he did all this, right? He still finished as borderline a top 25 running back last year, 242 carries for 889 yards and six touchdowns. It was a brutal 3.7 yards per carry, but he did all that as bad as you possibly can be with a terrible, terrible offense with Mitch Trubisky behind it. And he pushes close to a thousand total yards when you factor in his receiving work. And he's doing all of that. And now he's coming into another year where you can get him at the exact same ADP that he did last year in what was a terrible season. So it doesn't get much worse than last year. They bring in Nick Foles, they upgrade the offense and the offensive line a little bit. And now you're in a situation where, okay, this guy finished top 25 last year or right around there had probably the worst possible scenarios and everything that he was doing. And now he's in a situation where he's going to be drafted in the exact same spot of his where his bad finish was last year. I'm starting to warm up to it. There's just no backfield competition. It's Tariq Cohen, who I actually like as well as a late round running back, and then Ryan Null. So none of those guys are going to do anything. As long as they don't pick up a running back in free agency, they didn't do anything in the draft in that department. It's looking good for David Montgomery to get somewhere around 18 to 20 plus touches a game, which not a lot of running backs you can say that for. Maybe there's like 12 running backs that you can bank on getting you 18 plus touches a game, maybe somewhere between 12 and 15. And I just got one of them in the sixth round. So we go down a little bit more now, and I have four wide receivers and two running backs for my first six picks. The clock comes back around to me. I see Cam Akers go off the board. I'm very sad. I'm very high on Cam Akers, especially if he's your RB3. James White goes off the board. But I get Darius Geis. Darius Geis right now for me is overall my RB27 after my cleanest rankings update. I do have him behind Cam Akers. I do have him behind David Montgomery and Singletary, but he's still in my tier five. He's my last guy in my tier five of running back. So I actually feel okay about Darius Geis. The biggest concerns are Antonio Gibson. We talked about this in the video yesterday. I think I drafted Darius Geis in that draft as well. So I won't hammer home the point too much, but the biggest things in that one for me are just that Darius Geis' knee injuries are a concern. The backfield, they signed everybody. They signed JD McKissick. They, they signed, they still have Bryce Love back there. They get the rookie Antonio Gibson out of the draft. They signed Peyton Barber. They have Adrian Peterson. They, they, they literally have everybody in this backfield. But you saw when Darius Geis was healthy for like four weeks last year, he was a threat. He was the RB1 at one point last year. He was going off. He was the number one running back just in terms of efficiency metrics as well during that stretch, but he just couldn't stay healthy. He even got hurt again last year to start the season. Then he comes back from injury and he gets hurt to end the season. So that's his biggest concern, similar to on Johnson. Like these guys' knees are just absolutely destroyed after their first two years in the league. And Darius Geis is a little bit more than that. But as a third running back and as my seventh overall pick, I'm okay with it because I'm not relying on him every single week to start for me. He's a flex option or just a bench guy at that point. And if he can stay healthy and prove himself and go off a couple of weeks, well, now he's in a situation where I have this guy as my RB3, but he's showing a lot of RB1 or RB2 upside. So seven rounds in, we have our four receivers who I think are all studs. They're all top 12 receivers for me. We have three running backs who are all top 28 running backs for me. So that feels okay. None of them above top 20 though, but that feels okay. We go throughout the rest of the seventh round. You see a little tight end stretch coming here. Then you get a huge quarterback run, right? Somebody pulls the trigger on Deshaun Watson and Brady in the seventh. And then 
for some reason, everybody just starts to go quarterbacks to start the eighth round. Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, Drew Brees, they go off the board. I'm fine waiting on quarterbacks. If you watch my content, you know, I'll wait very, very late for quarterbacks because in 12 team leagues, you're just going to have a situation where everybody needs one quarterback to start. And then everybody needs, maybe everybody needs a backup. If everybody drafts a backup, you're still only at quarterback 25 in your rankings. And odds are they're not drafting that backup to the later round. So you can get the quarterback 13. You can get a top 15 quarterback in your rankings in like the 10th, 11th round, because most people won't start taking a backup until like the 13th and 14th rounds at the very earliest. And the difference between guys that are getting drafted in like the eighth round, like these Matt Ryans, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allens, those guys, and the guys getting drafted in like the 10th, 11th rounds, like Matt Stafford's Carson Wentz's, not much, like literally one or two ranks. I right now have Matt Ryan as like my QB nine or QB eight, Drew Brees right around there, QB eight and QB nine. I have Matt Stafford as my QB 12. I have Carson Wentz as my QB 11. Like these guys are all very close to each other. I'll wait a couple more rounds, load up on more wide receivers, tight ends and running backs and get to them. Similar to who I drafted yesterday as well. The pick comes back around to me and I get my fifth wide receiver. I could have went fourth running back here, but I saw Deontay Johnson. I'm high on him. I reached for him probably around early, but I wanted to make sure I got him because I saw he was still on the board. Deontay Johnson, very high on him. I'm extremely high on him. He's my wide receiver 34 right now. I have him one spot ahead of Hollywood Brown. I have him a couple spots ahead of Jamison Crowder and Christian Kirk. Very high on Deontay Johnson. I'm going to be higher on the Steelers offense than most people because most people are seeing Big Ben and negative reports coming out about Jay's Glazer. Oh, he's fat. Oh, he's out of shape. All this stuff. If Big Ben comes back and he's Big Ben from two years ago or a percentage of that, they led the league in passing. They threw for 5,000 yards, right? They sustained Juju and Antonio Brown as top 10 wide receivers or borderline top 10 wide receivers. So if Deontay Johnson is coming back after breaking out as a rookie with Duck Hodges, I feel really good if Big Ben is just a shell of himself even that they're going to throw for 4,000 yards and Deontay Johnson is going to be second in the pecking order there, right? With the wide receiver three drop off being James Washington or Chase Claypool, the rookie. And he's miles more talented, in my opinion, than both of those players. Yeah, I'll take Deontay Johnson all day as a top 35 wide receiver. And Pittsburgh has been able to sustain two top 20 receivers many times in in their careers with Big Ben being there. So I do like that a lot at that point. I ended up reaching. He's going right now in like the ninth and maybe even 10th round in some drafts. But I I ended up reaching for him in the eighth because I wasn't sure if he'd be there in the ninth. And there wasn't anybody else on the board that I felt that strongly about. So it's not a reach if you feel really good about it. You're just drafting ahead of ADP. And if you're good at that, you should be doing that because then you're getting a ton of value in your in your lineups. So the eighth round ends after I take a wide receiver in Deontay. It just ends with a streak of players. I like Christian Kirk this year, so he goes right after that. I think he's being underrated. Like we liked Will Fuller when DeAndre Hopkins was in Houston. Now they're going to Arizona, which is maybe even a better offense in terms of the pace just in general. And a, a very friendly quarterback, maybe not as good as Watson at this point, but a very good quarterback in Kyler Murray. And now you have, yeah, DeAndre Hopkins there, but Kirk is going to be the number two. He led the team in targets last year, even after missing a few games on targets per game. Why is he automatically just not a good player now? You're getting the number two player in one of the fastest pace, if not the fastest pace offense in the league that's actually sustainable, what looks to be a good coach in that spot in Kingsbury and you're getting him in the eighth or ninth round of drafts right now just because DeAndre Hopkins is there who's a first round talent sure I, I understand all that. Why does it automatically crush his value so far? Will Fuller is, it never was crushed this far to like the 10th round of drafts uh, when he was in Houston. So I don't understand Christian Kirk. I think he's a value. So you can see that tons of wide receivers, the eighth round closes with six of them. Then there's just DeAndre Swift taken and then four more wide receivers. So another spot where wide receivers go off the board a ton here. And I don't have to worry about that because I already have five. So we start to get to the later rounds. There's 14th rounds in this overall draft. I'll just briefly touch on some of my next picks. My fourth running back that I go to is Matt Breida. There is not a lot of options at this point. He's my 30th ranked overall running back. I do believe that carry on. Johnson was still on the board and Keyshawn Vaughn might have still been on the board at this point. Let me see. Yeah, I believe that Keyshawn Vaughn was still on the board at this point. I'm just not that high on Keyshawn Vaughn. Like I understand why everybody's getting hyped up about him, but I don't think Ronald Jones is just disappearing in this offense. I don't think DeRay Ogunbowale is just disappearing in this offense. So I go Matt Breida. I go Matt Breida even ahead of Raheem Mostart. I'm lower on Raheem Mostart than some people as well. Uh, I right now have Raheem Mostart as my RB31. So I have Breida ahead of him. Uh, so I end up getting my fourth running back there. Comes back around to the 10th round. Now I need to start looking at quarterbacks and tight ends. I get Hayden Hurst 
Hurst in the 10th round. I feel good about that. I have Hurst as a top 10 tight end right now. I'm probably very aggressive in that nature, maybe even too aggressive, but he's right now my tight end number eight. I have Hayden Hurst ahead of Gronk, Hunter Henry, Jared Cook, all those things. He's going from an offense that passed the least in the league last year, and he was a top six efficiency tight end. And now he's entering into the offense that passed the most in the league last year and ended up making Austin Hooper, who I don't think by any means we would call a special talent relative to other NFL players. He ended up making Austin Hooper, even after Hooper missed three games last year, a top six tight end in the entire league and top five in a lot of key statistical metrics. So Austin Hooper is able to do that. Hayden Hurst is miles more athletic in terms of just athletic profiles coming out of college than Austin Hooper was. So yeah, I feel really good about plugging Hayden Hurst right into that role. He was efficient when targeted last year, top five, top six in those departments. Like I mentioned, you can see the stats on the screen right now. So Hayden Hurst in the 10th round, feel good about that. Marlon Mack starts to go off the board. Ronald Jones went off the board in the 10th round. I think that's a nice value play at where he's going. More tight ends starting to go off the board. Comes back to me. I need a quarterback. I get Matt Stafford. Same guy drafted in the zero wide receiver strategy. He's just going too late in the drafts. The guy was an absolute beast. He was second in the league, only behind Jameis last year in yards per game and a lot of fantasy point metrics. He was top three in the league before he got hurt in week eight. Yes, we'll see what his back injury looks like, how he is this year. All his wide receivers are going to be the same coming back. He has an upgrade right now at running back with DeAndre Swift. He has a second year tight end, Hawkinson, and that jump from first to second year is huge for them. So I like Matthew Stafford at this point and getting him this late, I really, really like. This round drops off with a lot more wide receivers and tight ends. And then you see a huge run. Look at this run in the 12th round and running backs right here. It's seven running backs go off the board and I'm one of them. I take Zach Moss. And there was running backs in here that I liked. Like I would have taken Tevin Coleman if he dropped. Zach Moss, I ended up getting to. And I ended up passing on Carrion Johnson to come back around and take Zach Moss. And I probably would have taken Carrion in the 12th round here, but I just couldn't pull the trigger on him in any of these rounds. It's just the knee issues the first two years, very similar to Darius Geis, except now he's going to an offense that's probably worse in terms of the head coaches. And there's four running backs that they want to automatically use back there. They've already said it. And the guy that they just went out and got is actually a pass catching threat in DeAndre Swift. So I'm a little bit concerned about that. So I get Zach Moss. He's going to be taking on that Frank Gore role. We touched on it. I also get at the same exact time, he was like the best running back on the board for me personally. I like the upside. And then I also get a handcuff. So I I mentioned in my comments yesterday, I don't like drafting handcuffs unless you're playing in like a 30 or 40 round draft. But in these 14 round drafts, your picks are very valuable. You don't need handcuffs, right? You need handcuffs for the playoffs. You need handcuffs if if your guy is is very, very injury prone. Maybe then you end up taking a handcuff, but I don't like doing it in these shorter round drafts. So I got Zach Moss there, not as a handcuff, but just he was the best running back left on the board for me. Ends up being a handcuff. So it works out a little bit more there. You can see some more running backs going off the board. My 13th pick, I get Nikhil Harry again. I like him. I think he's undervalued at this point. He could very well be the number one receiver in this offense, former first round pick last year. Everybody's down on the Patriots offense. And if everybody's going to be miles down on them, the expectation barrier is so low that right now, even if they hit that low expectation bar of just eight or nine wins like Vegas is projecting for, Nikhil Harry in the 13th round is probably going to be a value. And if they overproduce on offense and they're not a bottom five offense like everybody thinks they're going to be, Nikhil Harry is probably going to be worthy of like a 10th round pick and you're getting him in the 13th round. And then I close out my draft with getting Anthony McFarlane. And I'm very big on Anthony McFarlane. I'm very strongly a believer that one of Jalen Samuels and or Benny Snell is going to be cut before the season starts, which gives Anthony McFarlane, who's probably the most athletic running back now on the roster, even including James Conner, a leg up. I think Anthony McFarlane comes in as the backup running back on this team, as long as he gets some sort of preseason or camp in. And as the 14th pick in the draft in the mid 14th round, I like it because I think he actually pushes James Conner at some point this year. He's a much more athletic back. He's probably the better running back. And now it's just the point of actually getting the touches to show that. So that's where I'm at right now. Zero running back approach. Let's look at my overall team. So this is me, Matt Stafford. I'm fine with him. He's my late round quarterback this year, him, Baker Mayfield, all those guys look good to me. My running backs are Singletary and David Montgomery. That doesn't look good, especially when you start to compare it to Saquon and Jonathan Taylor, especially when you start to compare it to Joe Mixon and Miles Sanders, Aaron Jones, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb, Kamara and Eckler. Like this running back combo is by far the worst. Uh, Devin Singletary. Let's see the other guy who went four wide receivers, right? So the other guy who goes four wide receivers was the one who actually got Chris Carson. So he's lucky. He has Chris Carson and James White. 
I'd say that that's borderline with what I have, Devin Singletary and David Montgomery. I like Chris Carson more. I like both of these guys more than James White. So I'd say it's a little bit iffy. I would rather have Chris Carson, but I would rather have Montgomery over James White. So we'll see what, what ends up happening there. But man, then my wide receivers and my flex are just golden. Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Oldell, and Robert Woods in my in my starting spots at flex and wide receiver. Compared to the other guy who went four wide receivers to start, he has Thomas, Evans, Amari, and Sutton. I personally like mine a lot more. I have Odell ranked higher than Amari. I have Tyreek Hill higher than Evans. I have Adams higher than Thomas even. So I really like this more. Uh, I have Robert Woods miles ahead of Cortland Sutton by like 10 spots. So I like the way that I went a little bit more there. My bench running backs, Darius Geis and Matt Breida. Those are guys that you're definitely able to use in the flex spot or even the starting spot. Deontay Johnson and Nikhil Harry is my backup wide receivers. I feel good about that. I already got four other wide receivers, but I feel really good about Deontay and Nikhil Harry. I think I got some breakout upside players in those later rounds. Zach Moss and Anthony McFarlane, rookie running backs that as long as one of them pops off and does anything, at all, right? McFarlane does anything at all this season. Scores like three or four touchdowns. He's going to outproduce his ADP and where I drafted him. So I like the way that this went. I'm a big believer in drafting upside in your later rounds. And I think that's what we did here. In my later rounds, I got Nikhil Harry, Anthony McFarlane, Deontay Johnson, and Zach Moss. I think that's upside. Even Darius Geis and Matt Breida, you can throw into that mix. But I think those are upside players that we drafted. Why are you going to be drafting Larry Fitzgerald or whoever insert the handcuff Latavius Murray in this round when you can have somebody with an upside, right? Stop drafting Larry Fitzgerald and start drafting Nikhil Harry's, Alan Lazard's, guys who actually can take a leap forward this year and break out instead of the guy who's just going to break his whole body in Larry Fitzgerald. So that's where I'm at right now with this zero running back strategy. I like the zero wide receiver strategy much more. I think the wide receivers are elite that we got in this draft. I think I got the same exact quarterback and in, in, uh, in some other players at my depth pieces, but our starting wide receivers are very elite. If you get David Montgomery to take a step forward as like a top 15 back this year, Singletary to just reproduce again, like a top 20 back, this is a very good roster, like a, a really good roster. If guys te- it takes a step forward, if Anthony Mark Farland can take over, I like this lineup a lot. So I'll give the edge to the zero wide receiver strategy video that we did. You can watch that one. It's in the playlist of all this stuff. Check that one out after this one. I'll pop the thumbnail up right now. So I'll give the edge to that one, but I'm not against this one either. Like I'm not totally against it. I think that one edges it out by a good margin. But if you were to tell me, I want to do zero running back this year after going through and doing this, I'd say you're going to have some really thin running backs. But if you draft properly and you get the running backs in bulk in those middle rounds, I think you could actually piece together a pretty good and unique team. So let me know what you think about this lineup. Let me know what you think about the question of the day that we asked earlier, Lamar Jackson or Mahomes. And then also let me know, what do you like better? The zero wide receiver strategy? or the zero running back strategy. Again, check out that wide receiver one if you haven't yet watched it. Hit the big old subscribe button that just popped up on the screen. Notification bell. I appreciate all that. Get into the Discord. Get into the Discord right now. I have my free rookie rankings in the Discord. I appreciate all of you so much. My name's Sal. I will see you all in the next one. Stay safe out there, everybody.